0: Well, amen. Well, thank you, Aaron, and uh, let me introduce myself because we may have some in the room or online that uh, don't know who I am and you're here for the first time or you're tuning in for the first time. My name is Johnny Pereira. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Salem Chapel, and uh, man, it's been a good morning already, and I know that the Lord's gonna use his word today uh, to show us what he wants us to see uh, this morning as you've joined us in person or online. So turning your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. We're gonna look at another familiar passage of scripture in this series, the summer series that we have been in that wraps itself up next week entitled Sunday School Stories. Now, I've said this every week, or whoever's been on stage has said this every week, so it may seem redundant to you if you've been tur- tuning in, but I don't wanna take for granted that there may be people in this room that don't know what I'm referring to when I say Sunday School. So I'm curious, how many of you, how many of you? attended at some point in your life or know what I mean when I say the term Sunday school? Raise your hand. Okay, the vast majority, much more than the 9 a.m. So, so we got people that have been at church for a long time in this room this morning. Maybe online you have no idea where I'm referring to, so I'm going to make sure I explain it again. Now, here's what you need to know about myself. So uh, I, I'm, a, I'm still a pastor's kid because because um, my dad's been a pastor who just retired. And what that means is, is I didn't have a choice whether or not to go to Sunday school for the majority of my life. That's what that means. And so what Sunday school was, is is normally it would take place, like you would come, like if the, what we're doing here, like if your morning worship service was at nine or 11, you would have Sunday school like an hour before that. And really what it was, especially for kids, is you would come and you would hear different stories that was in the Bible, And the majority of those stories would be found in the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And the teachers would tell you those stories. And I, a few weeks ago, I mentioned how you had the, the flannel graph, which was this big fuzzy, big board, and they would, they would take these cutout of Bible characters, and they would put them on the board, and they would tell the story, because after all, you didn't have one of these amazing projectors that would be behind uh, the teacher, and it makes me sound like I'm super old, but the reality is, is not too long ago, you didn't have that kind of stuff. And so they would tell... Bible stories like that, or they would use flashcards. And so the stories that we have been looking at in this series throughout this summer are familiar stories. But really what we've been going after in this series is we just don't want to stop at these stories being familiar to you. But rather, what we want to do as we look at these familiar stories to many of us is ask ourselves not are they familiar, but are they stories that we are living? Are we living out the principles and the aim of what the Lord was wanting to do in the stories that we look at throughout these gospels? And so this morning is no different, but we find ourselves in another familiar story in Matthew Mark 10, verses 46 through 52. It's this individual named Blind Bartimaeus. Now, His title isn't Blind Bartimaeus, he's simply called Bartimaeus, but the reality is, is that he was blind, and and he was a beggar, and so what beggars would do back in this time is they they would usually have one article that was the most precious thing to them, and that was a cloak. And this cloak was the thing that kept them warm. This cloak was the thing that they would sit on. This cloak was the thing that they would collect uh, any food that people would give them as they begged along the side of the road. This cloak was what they would collect money if an individual was so generous to give them. And so they would sit along the side of the road. And in particular, in this story, we find this man, Bartimaeus, and he's blind. We don't know when he became blind, if he was blind from birth or if he was blind because of some ailment. But nevertheless, we have this character named Blind Bartimaeus and he is blind, and he is sitting along a roadside along Jericho, and it was an extremely traveled road. After all, the road went from Jerusalem to Jericho that he was on, so it was a road that he could be very strategic uh, in being on because that's where the majority of people would pass by. But can you imagine what blind Bartimaeus' life was like? I mean, every day, his life consisted of Him being led by someone who was gracious enough to do so, plopping him down by the side of the road, this busy thoroughfare between Jerusalem and Jericho, and he would sit there and he would literally call out all day long on the mercy of people to provide for him, whether that was with money or whether that was with food. And every day that was his life. He had his cloak and he had his voice and that's all he had. And what we're gonna see in this story is when Bartimaeus approached the day that's described in this story, I'm sure he approached it like every other day. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna beg people for their mercy, and I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna go back to whatever place I can go and keep warm and hopefully survive to do it all over again the next day. But what we're gonna see in this story is that this day for blind Bartimaeus was different than any other day he would have ever experienced. And it's a day that he would never be the same again. But what I want you to see in this story that we are going to look at that's so familiar is that blind Bartimaeus, though he was blind, though all he had was a cloak, what we're going to see in this story is blind Bartimaeus was also desperate. Desperate. But he wasn't desperate just because he was poor and he wasn't desperate just because he was blind and he wasn't desperate because he didn't have resources but rather he was desperate and what we're gonna see in this story is he was desperate because he was desperate for Jesus. And if you're taking notes this morning, that's the title of the message today. Desperate for Jesus. Now when you think of that word desperate, if you're like me, that's not something that you would normally want people to call you by right like you wouldn't want to say someone to say of you that person him or her yeah she's desperate that's actually a put down right nobody would want to be called that i wouldn't want to be called that you wouldn't want to be called that like nobody wants to be have called of them today that hey that person yeah yeah they're desperate for a job or that person man they're desperate for money or that person man they're desperate for a relationship. Like, no guy or girl who's on the dating scene wants to be called desperate, am I right? Like Nobody wants to be called that. If that's something that you wanna to aspire to be, I want to be desperate. But here's the idea that I want you to get today. It's this, from this story in Mark 10, verses 46 through 52, that Jesus never, say that word with me, never, say it again, never, Jesus never turns away the person who is desperate for him. So if desperate isn't a term that we want to use of ourselves, and I don't blame you, I wouldn't either, let's define what we mean by desperate before we get into this passage of Scripture. Here's the definition that I came up with for desperate. Desperate is this. When I'm at the place where I realize Jesus is the only one who can meet my needs... That's what we mean today when we say desperate. When I'm at the place in my life where I have come to the realization that Jesus is the only one who can meet my needs. Now, that's a fact. That's a reality. That's a spiritual reality that doesn't change whether or not you believe it or not. But we are desperate when we have come to the place in our life, regardless of how we have gotten there, when we realize that Jesus is the only one who can meet our deepest need. So based on that definition, here's what I want us to ask ourselves before we jump into this passage of scripture this morning. How desperate are you today? How desperate are you? Like you don't have to admit that to anybody next to you. You don't have to admit that to your spouse, to your friend, to your mom or dad who may be in this room. I just want you to think about that in your own head. How desperate are you? If you're watching us online, how desperate are you? But desperate not in a relationship or I need a job or I need some money, there's nothing wrong with with wanting those things, but no, 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 I mean according to our definition. How desperate are you where you realize that the only person that can meet your greatest needs is Jesus? Because what I want us to do before we read this passage of scripture this morning and take time in it is to literally just pray to the Lord. As I pray out loud, you pray to him and say, Lord, would you show me what it looks like and how I can be desperate for you? Do you pray that as I pray out loud? Let's go to the Lord. Lord, I pray that as your word is open, which means your mouth is open to us today, that each one of us in this room or online would be willing to ask the question, Lord, am I desperate for you? And Lord, by the end of this time in this passage, Lord, that we wouldn't be asking if we are, but Lord, we would be making a declaration that Lord, I want to be desperate for you. God, would you do that in our lives today? In Jesus' name, Amen. Here's what I wanna do this morning as we walk through this passage of scripture. I wanna give you five characteristics of people who are desperate for Jesus. And hopefully these can be characteristics that you can say of yourself. Though you're not perfect, though Jesus is the only one that is perfect, but at the same time, man, these are characteristics that I want to be true of me because I wanna be desperate for Jesus. And so let's look at verse 46 and 47, because that's where the first characteristic is going to come from. And it says, and they, that's the crowd and Jesus and his disciples, and they came to Jericho. Now, if you're familiar with, with the Bible at all, and you're familiar with Sunday school stories, you probably would, have, would be familiar with that city, Jericho. You'd be like, yeah, wasn't that like Joshua? And, and they walked around the walls of the city seven times, and the walls fell down. Well, that's a different Jericho than here. Okay, so different Jericho. Um, this Jericho was situated about 18 miles north of Jerusalem. So it was definitely within walking distance, which is why this was such a, a strategic place for beggars uh, to be alongside the road there. And it says, and as he was leaving Jericho, that's Jesus, with his disciples, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Now look at verse Verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he, that's Bartimaeus, began to cry out. You ought to underline those two words in your Bible or, or on your device, cry out, because we're going to talk about the significance of that here in a second. And what did he cry out? It says he said this to Jesus, Bartimaeus did, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So, Bartimaeus is there on the side of the road. Evidently, he had heard a lot about Jesus. He had heard his reputation and he had heard what he had done in the past and in his earthly ministry and the people that he've he, he's healed and the miracles that he's done. And so, he gets wind somehow, some way, though we don't know exactly how, that Jesus is on the way. And Bartimaeus cries out and he calls Jesus by name. Here's the first characteristic of people who are desperate for Jesus number one, desperate people. Aren't afraid to admit that they need Jesus. I wonder if that can be said of us today. Like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to tell others that I need Jesus because then that makes me look like I'm desperate. Man, I don't want to say I need Jesus because that makes it look like I'm using Jesus as a crutch. And, and I, don't want to, I don't want people to think that I'm weak and I don't want people to think that, that, I, that I don't know what I'm doing and I don't want people to think that I'm not competent or I don't have capacity uh, to live this life. And, but Martimaeus isn't worried about any of that. He is not afraid to admit to anyone that he needs Jesus. And I think there's two reasons why. Number one, Bartimaeus is fully aware of his condition. You know what's interesting that you don't see in this passage of scripture? You won't find it anywhere in verses 46 through 52 is nobody tells Bartimaeus in this passage of scripture that he's blind, like, nobody walks up to Bartimaeus and says, Bartimaeus, I know you want maybe some, some, some coins from me, and you want some, maybe some food from me, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you the best thing yet. I'm gonna tell you something. Bartimaeus, you're blind. Bartimaeus didn't he be told that. He knew that. Like, if you did that to Bartimaeus... Man, what would that say of you? Bartimaeus was fully aware of his condition. Bartimaeus never saw a tree waving in the wind. Bartimaeus never saw a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise. Bartimaeus never saw the face of his loving mother or his loving father. Bartimaeus saw no one who would have shown him any love. He never saw someone who gave him grace and mercy to drop a coin, on his cloak, or to give him a morsel of bread, he never saw anyone. He knew he was blind. He was fully aware of his condition. And because he was fully aware of his condition, he was not afraid to admit that he needed Jesus. You know, there's a lesson in that for us today. Because I found this true in my life, and I'm sure it's true of yours, that there are times in my life where God has brought me to a place where I became fully aware of how desperate I was for Jesus. For all intents and purposes, it wasn't the most pleasant place. It wasn't the most pleasant circumstance. But what made it significant is it brought me to a place where I, man, I wasn't afraid to admit that I needed Jesus because I was fully aware of my condition in that moment. You know what is also true? Every person that comes to a place to realize that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Think about it in your story, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. There was a time in your life where you could describe yourself as desperate for Jesus. Where you realize it was no longer, man, I can't do enough good. Man, I've tried to look for everything to give me satisfaction, to fill that void inside of my life. I looked for everything. I looked for it in people. I looked for it in relationships. I looked for it in money. I looked for it in job. I looked for it in, in accolades. I looked for it in every different thing. I looked for it in achievements. I looked for it in everything. And I came to a place to realize that none of those things delivered on what they promised. And there was a time in my life where I was desperate for Jesus. And think about that time in your life. No one needed to bring you to that place where you weren't aware of your condition. God brought you to that place and you fully realized it. And it's why you look to him for your salvation. Everyone who comes to Christ is fully aware that they're a sinner. But what I find is even after I put my faith and trust in Christ, there are those moments in my life where I need a reminder. I need to be reminded That being desperate for Jesus isn't a shameful place. It's not a pitiful place. It's not a place of weakness. No, 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 it's a place where Jesus wants me. He wants me to be aware of my condition that without him, I am indeed weak. But what else Bartimaeus understood that made him not afraid to admit that he needed Jesus? He understood that he needed something different than what he'd been looking for. I mean, all day long, every day, he's he's there by the side of the road and he and he has his his cloak around him and to keep himself warm on the cold days and he sat on it in the warm days and he had that cloak with him every day. But what he had come to realize is is what he needed was more than, more than the generosity of some sweet soul who gave him a few pennies and a few morsels of bread, that he needed something different than what he was looking at for his entire life. And he came to the place to realize that that person was Jesus. Remember I said the significance of those two words, we would talk about them cry out. What I find that's interesting is what it doesn't say. You know, sometimes when you're reading God's word, what you need to ask yourself is, what's the significance of what it doesn't say? Because as Bartimaeus is there on that road and he's crying out to Jesus, you know what it says he doesn't do? He's not, there on the, he's not there on the side of the road, and the people are passing by, and he hears Jesus coming, and he says, and all of a sudden, Jesus is there, and there's this crowd there, and I'm sure there's a lot of noise, and he's like, Psst. Jesus. Psst. Jesus. I don't want anybody else to hear me, except for you. I need you to intervene in my situation, but I don't want to draw too much attention to myself. Jesus, I need you to work. He doesn't do that, does he? No, what does he do? He cries out. Why does he cry out? Why does he not whisper? Why is he not afraid for everyone else to know his situation? You know why? Because he has a profound understanding and self-awareness of who he is. And I wonder if we have that this morning. Still trying to put on an act? Still trying to pretend like you got it all under control? Still trying to pretend that you're, you're, you know, you're Superman, you're Superwoman. No, 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 no. God wants you to be desperate. He wants you to be desperate for him. He wants you to be aware of your weakness so that you can be strong, as Paul says. He wants you to come to a place where you realize, man, I need something different than maybe what I've been looking at up to this point. And what does Bartimaeus call Jesus? He calls him son of David. It's the only place in the book of Mark that Jesus is referred to this way. It's a messianic title. In other words, it's a title that would have been given, that would have given credence, that Bartimaeus understood that Jesus was the promised one that was spoken of in the Old Testament, that Jesus was the Messiah. It was a declaration that he understood who Jesus was and what he could do for Bartimaeus. How many of you are aware of the person Helen Keller? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you. In my study, I came across this little story that I thought was so significant to the and applicable to the life of Bartimaeus. What I, what I came across said this. Someone once bluntly asked blind and deaf Helen Keller. She was blind and, and deaf, um, if you didn't know that. She lived from 1880 to 1968. She was actually the first deaf and blind person to ever earn a Bachelor of Arts degree. Like She was a trailblazer. And now that's, that's something that's actually commonplace for individuals that are in that type of situation. Here's what the person asked Helen Keller, which was a terribly obnoxious and um, just ridiculous question. But the person asked this, isn't it terrible to be blind? <laughs> I can't imagine someone asking that, but... I've known people too long. And and so this is how she responded. Like I probably would have responded differently, but Helen Keller responded this way better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. That was Bartimaeus. See, think about it. Though this passage of scripture doesn't get us into the mind of Bartimaeus and all the different aspects, I think it's safe to assume that Bartimaeus had a lot of time to think as he sat on the side of that road, had a lot of time to think. In fact, because he was blind, all visual distractions were eliminated. wasn't distracted like you and me. He was blind. And I think in that time that Bartimaeus sat by that side of the road and though he couldn't see, he probably heard stories of Jesus and what he had done and hearing someone telling him obviously that Jesus was coming, what that time did on the side of the road and the fact that Bartimaeus was blind, you know what that did? It allowed Bartimaeus to not necessarily see with his eyes, but he couldn't. But Bartimaeus saw with his heart. And because he was seeing with his heart, he was able to admit that he needed Jesus. And I wonder if that's what the Lord is doing in you right now. He's removing the distractions, whatever they may be, to bring you to a place to see with your heart that what you need more than any other person or any other thing is you need Jesus right now. Here's a second characteristic. It's found in verse 48. Look at what it says. Look at the response of the crowd to Bartimaeus. And it said, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. I love Bartimaeus, right? But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now here's what you have to understand about blind Bartimaeus and anyone who was blind. They were, they could not worship in the temple because they were marred. They were viewed as unclean. So they couldn't worship in the temple. So Bartimaeus didn't have the opportunity to worship like everyone else. And so Bartimaeus would have been marginalized. He would have been looked down upon. He would have been looked at as insignificant, less than everyone else. And so Bartimaeus is crying out with the title that clearly described Jesus. And Bartimaeus wasn't afraid to do so. But notice how the crowd treated him. Told him to be quiet. Told him to to literally shut himself up. Like like you're a distraction, you're a nuisance. Like Jesus doesn't have time for you. And here's what that shows me. And it's a second characteristic of desperate people. Desperate people aren't intimidated by the crowds who wanna keep them from Jesus. Bartimaeus was not about to be intimidated by the crowds. Bartimaeus was not about to let the crowds keep Jesus him from Jesus. But man, isn't that what we do? We too often let the crowds keep us from pursuing Jesus. We go to work, people know we go to church, so therefore they assume that we have some type of religious understanding as they would describe it. But instead of looking for opportunities to pursue Jesus at the workplace, to have an opportunity to share how we are different from them, what do we do? We wanna fly under the radar. We don't wanna ruffle any feathers. We just wanna kinda do our thing. God forbid someone asks us about what church we go to or what we believe. No, no, no. I am gonna allow the crowds to keep me from pursuing Jesus. How often is that true of us? You go to school, man, at school, the fact that you believe in Jesus, the fact that you would go to church, the fact that you would, you would, you would say that Jesus is who you love, all of a sudden, man, you're looked at like, like you've got you know, a fourth eye in the back of your head and, and like, I wouldn't dare let that out. That's a secret. Like, like, like I'm, I'm just not gonna, what are you doing? You're allowing the crowds to keep you from pursuing Jesus. Think about relationships. Oh, man, I don't wanna be alone this guy, this girl—they're showing interest in me, and I don't want to be alone. And so, yeah, I don't—I know that her, she, or him—they don't really care about my faith. They really don't care about Jesus. But at the end of the day, I, won't, I don't want to be alone. So, so I'm going to continue in this relationship, and and I'm going to continue to pursue it, and and then it end up maybe even going to marriage. And all of a sudden, I'm in a relationship where the person doesn't care anything about Jesus. They don't treat me the way that Jesus tells me to be treated in the Bible and all these different things, and all of a sudden you're sitting in someone's office. It's like, man, I was was too afraid to keep pursuing Jesus over the pressure of being alone, and now I feel more alone than I ever did before. Why? Because you're letting the crowd keep you from pursuing Jesus. We could go on and on and on. How often is that true of us? What I love about blind Bartimaeus is he saw his need. He saw that he needed something different. And Bartimaeus doesn't care what the crowds say, he just goes for it. He's all in. And listen to me, I just want to let you be aware of something that probably most of us don't need to be aware of. We live in a day and time today where if you are going to pursue Jesus, you are going to be the minority. That if you're going to say, no, 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 I believe that Jesus is the way, is the truth, is the life, That no one can have a relationship with God apart from him, that that is going to be a tough thing to admit if you're not going to allow the crowds to keep you from pursuing Jesus. That it's no longer normative to say, no, I actually believe in this Bible that it's God's word and I'm gonna live my life according to this Bible, not to culture, not to what someone else says says I should live my life by. No, I'm gonna live my life according to this word because I believe that God's word is God's best for my life. That is going to cost you something. But are we going to allow the crowds to intimidate us from pursuing Jesus? Because Bartimaeus did not. Look at verse 49. We're gonna see the third characteristic. And here's what I love. You got Bartimaeus, man. He doesn't care that people look at him as crazy. He doesn't care that he's yelling at the top of his lungs. Man, he just wants Jesus. And here's what I love. Look at Jesus' response in verse 49. And Jesus stopped. You need to underline those two words. Jesus stopped, he didn't keep walking. Look what Jesus did, and he said, call him. And they called the blind man. They, probably his disciples, called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. Now here's the significance of this. Jesus, if you remember there, the road between Jerusalem and Jericho, very traveled road. People from Jericho would take this road to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus is at the end of his earthly ministry, which means the next thing for Jesus to do is to go into Jerusalem and go to the cross and die for you and me and Bartimaeus and every other human who's ever lived. Think about the emotional weight of that. Think about him knowing that in hours and days he would be betrayed by someone that he poured his life into for three and a half years. Think about the emotional and spiritual weight of knowing that he was literally gonna put himself on the cross and become sin for you and for me, and in that moment be separated from a holy God because a holy God can't look on sin, and so Jesus became sin for you and me. Think of the emotional and spiritual weight of that. The reality is is we can't even imagine, not to mention the physical pain that he was about to go through, and all of that on his mind. I think about myself so often, man, I can think about the things that I need to do and the tasks that I need to achieve and the emotional weight of whatever I'm experiencing right now or someone else has just told me is going on in their life, and so often, man, I can have tunnel vision and completely pass by people that may be in need, but Jesus didn't. Jesus stopped, and he says, hey, go get that guy and bring him here. him, bring me to him, bring him to me, because his life is gonna change Forever. See, here's the third characteristic of people who are desperate for Jesus. Desperate people believe in the heart of Jesus. The reason why Bartimaeus wasn't afraid, Bartimaeus wasn't afraid, the reason why he wasn't intimidated by the crowds is because he had some understanding that Jesus would stop, that Jesus would intervene for him. He had some understanding and some belief in the heart of Jesus for a blind beggar that nobody else would have given two seconds of attention to. And what a window this story is into the heart of our Savior. What a window into the heart of Jesus for you if you're desperate this morning. What a window into the heart of Jesus if you're struggling this morning and wondering if he cares and wondering if he hears you and wondering if he even sees your need as significant. What a window into the heart of Jesus. Because... Jesus today is no longer on a road to go to the cross. No, he already accomplished for that. You know where Jesus is now? He's in heaven. And you know what's going on in heaven right now? Revelation 4 gives us insight into what's going on in heaven right now. There is worshiping, worship going on right now. There's these beasts that I don't even know how to describe that are said to circling around the throne of heaven, around Jesus, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. There are people in heaven right now that are worshiping Jesus, that are declaring him to be worthy, that are praising him right now. And you know what this story of Bartimaeus tells me? That in the midst of all that praise, in the midst of all that parade, in the midst of all that singing and everything that's going on, when I cry out to Jesus that I am desperate for him, Heaven stops and Jesus listens. Man, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Luke 15:10, Jesus says that when someone places their faith and trust in Jesus, heaven rejoices and they throw a big party. For you. For you. Have you ever thought about this? I've thought about this before. When I'm taking something that I feel is significant to me and I'm taking it before the Lord, I think, man, think about it mind blowing. Like there's about seven billion people in this world. I don't know how many of those billion claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. Let's just say it's a billion. I don't know if that's right or not. Maybe it's less, maybe it's more. But just think of a billion people crying out to Jesus all at the same time. Man, I get stressed out when I got two people asking me for what they need at one time in my house. But Jesus hears every name. He hears every cry for help. There's no busy signal with Jesus. There's no like, hey, I'll get to that later. No, 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 Jesus hears every cry Are you hurting this morning? Are you feeling helpless? Because what the Lord wants you to understand is the sweetest thing to his ear is your plea. See, so often we want to minimize, right? We wanna, we wanna marginalize. Well, well man, there's someone that has a bigger need than me. You could have had a terrible week at school this past week. You could have been a teacher. And I just want you to say we're praying for you right now because I know you've been dealt a crazy hand. And you could be like, man, I've had such a tough week and, I, and I'm stressed out, but then I come to church and I hear about someone else's week or I hear that someone was diagnosed with cancer. And so all of a sudden I feel guilty and I feel shame for literally feeling bad about my situation and, and going to the Lord with my situation. But here's the beautiful thing. As difficult as that, as that person who may have been diagnosed with cancer last week versus you who've had a rough week at school, here's the thing. God is concerned, Jesus is concerned about you. And he wants you to to take that thing that you may want to out of guilt or shame or something else and say, man, there's so many things more important than this situation in my life. No, 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 that's a lie of the enemy. What you need to see in this passage of scripture today is that Jesus will stop and listen and intervene for you. It may be different than what you're asking for, It may be what you're asking for, but Jesus always intervenes for those who are desperate for him. 1 John 4, 18 and 19 says, there is no fear in love. I wonder if many of us, maybe we aren't afraid to admit admit our need, but we're just, we're fearful. We're like, man, too many people have failed me in the past and I'm just afraid that if I ask Jesus for his intervention, that he's gonna fail me too. Well, there's no fear in love, because perfect love, Christ-like love, the love that Christ has shown you through his life, death, and resurrection, it casts out fear. It says, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. God was the initiator for you. Here's the fourth characteristic. Look at verse 50 and 51, and we're almost done. Bartimaeus says, or it says about Bartimaeus and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus, and after Jesus said to him, what do you want for me to do? The blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Now here's what we need to understand, and I already said this this morning, but I want you to get this. Bartimaeus's cloak was the most precious thing that he owned, So I want you to think about what's most precious to you right now. Maybe it's your house, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your your 401k, maybe it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe it is Jesus. But I want you to think about what's most precious to you because that was the equivalent of what this cloak was for Bartimaeus. This thing probably stunk. It was dirty. Nobody else would have wanted it but to Bartimaeus, it was the most precious thing that he owned. Pun intended, it was his security blanket. But notice what he does. It says, and setting aside his cloak, he walked up and came to Jesus. Is that what it says? Doesn't say that, does it? Well, keeping on his cloak, he sprang and he came to Jesus. It's not what it says either, does it? It says, no, what does it say? It says he literally threw off his cloak and he sprang to Jesus. It doesn't say someone guided him along the way like they did to where he probably was sitting up to this point. No, no, no. He springs up, throws off his cloak, and goes to Jesus. And here's the significance of that. It doesn't say that Bartimaeus came to Jesus with his cloak Because if you would have come to Jesus with his cloak, that would have indicated that I'm keeping my cloak just in case Jesus doesn't intervene for me. I got a plan B, Jesus. Just in case you aren't who you say you are. Just in case you don't intervene the way that I know you say you will. I got a plan B. How many of us come to Jesus with a plan B? yeah, I'm gonna experiment and I'm gonna kind of do this Jesus thing and I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna do some of these types of things, but I'm not sure I'm gonna put my full weight and trust in what Jesus can do for me. No, no, no. I gotta have a plan B. But you know what Jesus wants to do? you to do? Throw off your cloak. There's no plan B. There's no plan B because I have so much faith in plan A so I'm throwing off my cloak. And I don't know if this strikes you as kind of obvious, yet why in the world did it happen? But Jesus literally, after Bartimaeus throws off his cloak and after he springs up and runs to Jesus being blind, Jesus asks him this question, do you see it there? Look at it with me, verse 51. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Like captain obvious question of the day, right? What do you want me to do for you? Like if I was that, I was like, isn't it obvious, Jesus? I can't see, but so what's the significance of Jesus asking him that question? You know what Jesus wanted Bartimaeus to do? He wanted Bartimaeus to express his condition, his need for himself, And he wanted Bartimaeus to declare that he had faith that Jesus could meet it. It's what Jesus wants for you. It's what Jesus wants for me. You ever think to yourself, why in the world do I need to pray if God is omniscient? If he knows everything, why in the world does he want me to pray about it? Because prayer is as much for the prayer as it is for God. Jesus wants us to pray because of what it does in us, not because he doesn't know what we need. And he wanted Bartimaeus to admit his, need, admit his need. And he wanted Bartimaeus to admit that he had faith to meet his need. Listen to me, you may be in this room or online right now, and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Romans ten nine says that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, if I admit that I need him, And believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. That I have faith in what Jesus accomplished for me and what he can provide for me. It says, I will be saved. This morning, if you're here today and you've never done that, what the Lord wants from you is what he asked of Bartimaeus. He wants you to confess that you need him, that you're a sinner, and he wants you to believe that what he has done through his life, death, and resurrection is, is significant and equivalent enough and sufficient to save you from your sin. But here's what I found in my Christian life. Just like I had to throw off my cloak to come to Jesus... Man, so often in my life, man, I want to cloak myself up in the things that I think can provide me with sophistic- significance and security and safety and all of those things. And there comes a point in my life in my sanctification, the process by which God is growing me more in my relationship with Him, that oftentimes when I want to pick up the cloak, you know what Jesus is asking me to do when He brings me to a point to be desperate for Him? Johnny, I want you to throw off the cloak. It doesn't even mean that the cloak is bad but I want you to want me more than anything else. Hebrews 12, one says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us or lays us down or clings to us so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I can't run with a cloak drooped around my body. I gotta throw it off so that I can run the way that Jesus wants me to run. Here's the last characteristic and we'll be done. Verse 52, and Jesus said to him, after he heals him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Here's what I think is so simple yet so amazing. The very first person that Bartimaeus sees The very first thing that Bartimaeus sees is not a tree, is not a sunset, is is not a blue sky, as amazing as those things are, but what he is described as seeing for the very first time, the very first thing that he ever sees is the face of Jesus. How awesome is that? See, the fifth characteristic, the final characteristic of desperate people is they see Jesus clearly and follow him closely. Because here's what I think is awesome. It just doesn't say that Bartimaeus got his sight, as amazing as that is. But after Bartimaeus gets his sight and he realizes the heart of Jesus and what Jesus can do and how much Jesus loves him, And not only did he heal Bartimaeus physically, he healed him spiritually because Bartimaeus put his faith in what Jesus could do. What did Bartimaeus do? Jesus, I just don't wanna be healed of my problem. I just don't want you to intervene in my situation and now I'm good and peace out. No, 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 I also wanna follow you closely. Like my life is yours. Like it's not an option. Jesus, I wanna be as close to you as I possibly can. That's what Jesus wants from us, throw off our cloak. And by throwing off our cloak, what happens? We see Jesus clearer. And we follow him more closely. What's your cloak this morning? What is it? What's the cloak that's keeping you from being desperate for Jesus? already said if you're here today if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus it's you confessing your sin and putting your trust in Jesus Christ as your savior but what about for us who have already done that i think it starts the same way we confess whatever we have been holding on to tighter than our grip of jesus whatever has called us to see jesus dimly rather than clearly We confess that is sin. Because here's the thing, if I put my wife, though I need to love her, I'm called to love her, but if I put Lori above Jesus, that's idolatry, that's sin. If I put my kids above Jesus, as much as I'm called to love them as a dad, my affections are to be for Jesus first and foremost. It doesn't necessarily, your cloak doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. We practice idolatry when we sin, when we take good things and put them above the greatest thing, our relationship with Jesus. So maybe this morning, we just need to confess whatever that is that we've been putting as priority above Jesus. We need to confess it his sin, and here's the awesome thing. We need to rest in Christ's forgiveness because 1 John 1, 9 says, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from every unrighteousness. You know what else we need to do? We need to look to Jesus every day. Hebrews 12, two says, looking to Jesus. That's what I'm called to do, look to Jesus. He's the author and he's the finisher of my faith. What does that mean? Man, every day I need to be striving. Man, let me just spend some time with Jesus. God, what are you saying to me through your word? How is the Holy Spirit applying that to my life today? How can I do that? What do I need, how do I need to act in obedience? praying to him, Lord, you want to know what I'm going through. And then surround yourself with people who also want to be desperate for Jesus. we got life groups kicking off in a few weeks. you have the opportunity to sign up. If you're not in one, man, there's a place for you to be in an environment that will encourage you to be desperate for him. I want you to stand with me this morning. Because I hope that this passage of scripture today caused you to see that word desperate and the way that we defined it is not a thing to run from, but a place to run to. To be at a place and say, Lord, I want to be desperate for you. I want to realize that you are the one who can meet my greatest needs. God, I want to walk closely with you, I want to see you clearly. I want to be amazed more and more at your amazing grace that you bestowed to me through Jesus Christ. Man, let's do that this morning. God, I pray that you would hear the confession of people this morning. God, we know that you will. God, that we would call out to you that we confess sin where sin needs to be confessed, that we would rest in the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has provided. God, that we would look to you every day God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for who Jesus is. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.